Sometimes young people think that mental health is about depression and anxiety, and often it's a direct response to what is happening in their lives. Welcome everyone to this, which is our 25th in our series of podcasts brought to you by Good Thinking, London's digital mental wellbeing service. My name is Sonia Etetwani, and I'm the communications lead for Good Thinking, which provides round-the-clock mental wellbeing support for those living or working in London. Our podcasts are here to help listeners make sense of a world affected by COVID-19. In this podcast, our clinical director, Dr. Richard Graham, is in discussion with Antonia Ferreira, a first-year student from the University of Essex, studying psychology and neuroscience, and also a digital health ambassador. In this episode, Antonia gives an insight into mental health from a young male's perspective about the level of image young people today are hardwired to behave or follow, and about how young people in general, especially young men, should open up more about mental health and not shy away from it. Be patient, humble, and believe in yourself, especially now. Over to you, Richard and Antonio. Thank you, Antonio, for joining us today. Today, we're going to be thinking about men's mental health. And I wonder what thoughts you've got about men's mental health, Antonio. I think it's definitely a much more sensitive topic when you put the words men and mental health together, let alone the mental health is quite sensitive. But when you join the two words, it becomes a tad more sensitive, especially from just stigma, stereotypes from young, from when you even look at um, shows like Disney shows where the men is meant to be this strong role model that sort of controls or, you know, looks after everything. So it is much more sensitive, like I said, when you put the two words together. And it is noticeable that it is becoming much more of a discussion, a topic of discussion, men's mental health. But whereas, is it enough conversation that's going on? That's why I think is still a bit of a lack. But that's my overall view on men's mental health. So you're talking about us all growing up with shows and films and perhaps even cartoons where men feel they've got to take on a particular position, a particular role, and, and getting down, getting upset, getting anxious. Those are really difficult things to acknowledge when all your life you've been kind of trained to think that you should be coping with it all. Is that the picture you come across? Precisely, yeah, precisely. So it's as if like from when you're, you've come into the world, you're sort of hardwired to believe that you should have this certain image. And, you know, I used to hear a lot from my parents and not to point fingers at my parents, but I used to hear a lot that you know, men don't cry, men shouldn't show these sort of emotions. So there was a lot of hard wiring where you just had to be really tough and you had to be that alpha male sort of thing. So I can imagine how detrimental it becomes when you don't seem to fit or feel to fit that stereotype that everyone has so deemed on males as they should be. So yeah, I guess it varies from teachings from childhood, parents, what you watch. I mean, even like cartoons and animations, they always show the male to be this um, powerful, you know, strong doesn't um, show no sort of um, soft side to them type of figure but I mean in reality you, you realize that this isn't the case for all males and this it isn't how it should be to be honest. Well, I think you're already highlighting a couple of issues then that you get which is one socially it might feel embarrassing if you find yourself feeling different from that but inside yourself, if you've been told by your parents, you know, as well as by the sort of entertainment industry or media that you should be this strong alpha male, I guess it can make you feel a bit lonely, even ashamed to find yourself feeling different. Could you imagine if everyone is hardwired into this whole belief system of males and you then seem to feel that you're the one person that doesn't fit that criteria? You don't feel as if you have anyone that you can relate to or you can speak to about because you assume everyone else is in that criteria except for you. So yeah, 
isolation comes into it. You sort of seclude yourself, um, and you just feel as if you're the only one. Like you're the like you know the the ugly duckling in the story. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't be the one that would be able to open up or such. And in that scenario, how can you imagine how hard it is to take the first step into you know what? guys, let's start talking or looking at it this way because this isn't how it should be. Can you imagine how much backlash you'd feel you'd get from doing such a thing? So it is, yeah, it is definitely overpowering. And um, I just, uh, yeah, I can't imagine how many people right now out in the world are feeling that sort of um, negative emotion towards their own image and what everyone else perceives their image should be. And I think you're making a really important point that a kind of face that uh, and acknowledge how you are feeling and then take a step about either saying something or even perhaps doing something more than that actually takes a lot of strength, a lot of courage because you're, you're really fighting all sorts of sort of ideas that you, we carry around in ourselves about how we should be. So weirdly, you have to be stronger to kind of do something. We know when people um, give you praise on yourself, I've realised that it's easy to be given praise on yourself, but if you don't wholeheartedly believe in that praise in your, by yourself, in yourself, then the praise coming from other people doesn't mean much because you could tell me, oh, you're so strong, but if I don't believe I'm strong, what does it matter what you think of me? So, um, I mean, and, and then it comes into as well if you consider peer pressure as well from a young age, like if you're around these sort of type of males or ideas, you feel that pressure to, you know, you have to live up to that idea. And when you don't live up to that idea, it becomes such a big issue where you don't know how to manage or how to handle the situation. You just sort of conform, conform to the situation. You know what, you ignore what you believe and what emotions you actually have inside of you and just go with whatever everyone else is doing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely difficult and it does, it does take a lot of strength, but it's not to say it's not possible. But I think the alternative from what you're saying is to kind of live quite a lonely life, really, where you never quite feel anybody is connecting with you as you actually are. And you have to keep up some appearance, some front. And that itself, you know, is going to cause a lot of stress. Precisely, yes, exactly what it is. So you're speaking with a lot of feeling about this issue. And I, I wonder whether there is something personal for you in terms of a journey from going from sort of feeling you had to be a certain sort of person, an alpha male, to perhaps being a bit more accepting or even kind to yourself in terms of acknowledging about some stresses or other difficulties? Yeah, I mean, that, that is a major part to my journey um, throughout mental health. I mean, primarily from the beginning in high school, I was and, and was seen a uh, very high achieving um, male in my year at high school. I was in top set classes. Um, I, I got accepted into a very good sixth form college. But even at the beginning of that, that caused a lot of stress because whereas everyone else saw me as this high achieving person, everyone was thinking, oh, Antonio's going to go on to do medicine and, you know, all these high fancy class stuff. So there was the pressure of other people. That includes my peers, includes my teachers. But then there was also a pressure from family. Even though my parents wouldn't say it, I knew that they always wanted me to sort of be the best I could be and then pressure for myself as well where I'm the youngest out of all my brothers I guess I felt like I drew the short straw so I felt like I had to make everything happen for everyone sort of thing so in just in that sentence I've named about four or five stresses yeah so that was basically one part of it and for me it was like I had to live up to these expectations or this image that people gave me and I gave myself and 
at one chance that where I felt I wasn't going to live up to it, that's when I sort of started to feel really um, bad about myself, really depressed. And the ball just kept rolling from there. When I was deep into my mental health and when I was in the hospital for my mental health, a lot of people didn't, well, many people still to this day actually will say, oh, I would never imagine you to have mental health. And I would just answer as in, well, I never knew mental health had a look or a class of people. So do you see what I'm saying? So, I mean, it was also that scenario where people would not see it, so they wouldn't believe it. So it's like a bit of that philosophy. If the, if a branch drops and no one's there to hear it, does it exist? Does it, does it make a noise? Sorry. So because I wasn't sort of making a noise, people didn't think it existed. Do you see what I mean? So once it did appear itself to be happening, everyone's perception really changed. You, just, you started really getting really derogatory terms about yourself. Like people would say, oh, he's gone crazy. He's this, do you know what I mean? And it would just completely change from what people perceived as you. And it went from the pressure putting on yourself to live up to this image to then the pressure to not be the image people saw you as. So it was a bit of, well, not even a bit, it was a lot of black and white and no grey area in it. But it doesn't really mean that to overcome it is impossible. It definitely was a journey, a very difficult, hard journey. But in the end, it's a situation that either makes or breaks you. And thankfully for me, it kind of made who I am, what, what I am today, the resilience I have today and what I want to do with myself today. So I don't really look at people's opinions too much, especially even so nowadays I get more positive opinions of myself. People come up to me when they hear me say something negative and they're like to me, oh, you're going to be really rich one day. To a normal person, you'd think rich. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be really wealthy. To me, rich means I'm just going to be really knowledgeable in the in the area that I'm going through, following through with, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's just taking, the, taking everything and making the most of the opportunity, not letting it determine who you are or how you act. It's just about, you know, you said the, the perfect example I could give you, actually, and this is where I go back to cartoons, is Spider-Man's one main motto is um, if you get hit back, no matter how many times you get hit down, just make sure you can get back up. So, you know, certain things like this, like, like I said in the beginning, if you look at the contrast, you can take uh, a media or a cartoon, whatever you want to take, and you can take the negative perspective out of it, or you can flip the, the, the switch and be like, you know what, this doesn't necessarily mean I have to be a superhero, but in that sentence, I can take that, you know what, every time I do get knocked back down, I'm going to make sure I do get back up like a superhero. What's your perspective on how you see things? And of course, I'm not saying everyone will have the strength or insight to be able to do these things, but that's where then practice makes perfect and you don't settle for less. And I, I think one of the really important messages for anyone listening to this is, is that you feel you can gain a different strength, a new strength through these journeys. And it sounds like you feel that lots of things about your life are better now, having gone through that. Starting out from what sounds like a kind of ordinary London family with ordinary issues about education and brothers. And then there you are, sort of struggling with all sorts of things that, that lead you down a particular path. But you come through and feel there are riches to be had on the other side that perhaps you never would have guessed yeah definitely a lot of people will look back on their mental health think any hardship and they'll ask to themselves why it had to be them or you know those questions but to me i look back on it and i actually made a top that said this to remind myself every day of it um i say to myself i'm not going to ask myself why it had to be me i'm going to say i'm happy it was me because it's blessed me to be the person i am now before, like I said, a lot of people wanted them, me to or assume I would go on to do medicine, you know, be a doctor and save lives. But the irony in that is that 
I can still do that, just not in the more physical sense that I wanted to as a doctor, but in a sense where I can tell my story to inspire others and promote them to good thinking and me- um, healthy mental well-being. So it's weird, it's funny how sometimes things work out, but the goal was remain the same throughout. It just changed how I was going to go about it. There are lots and lots of ways of helping people well beyond becoming a doctor, that's for sure. And as you say, giving a story of hope, perhaps it will inspire others to feel they don't have to keep that front up all the time, might reduce far more suffering than, than many doctors. So absolutely. On that journey that you had, which clearly had some really tough times as well, were there things along the way, people along the way that kind of helped you, you know, when you were struggling to get back up, that you kind of looked back on and thought, that was one of the things that really made a difference to me. Looking back, you think, yeah, that was the time when it really helped me turn a corner or get back up. I think, I think yeah, there, there were a few, both indirect and directly, actually. Directly, I guess, one, I'd have to put down, hands down to the support of my parents because when I was in, in hospital, I realised that a lot of these people that are in hospital, they either, you know, get disowned or they get shunned on by their parents and they don't no longer have that um, acceptance or support of their parents because most parents don't really understand the situation or what's going on or so many semantics. But, I mean, I think for me directly, that was one of the main things that really helped me was the support of my dad my mom, um, they were always visiting me. They were always, you know, bringing me food, just anything really to support me. And it was funny as well, because one day, I, it was um, Easter and I was in hospital. My dad bought me this really expensive Easter egg. And we're not really, a, a come from a very wealthy background. So, you know, to, for people like me to, to see something like that coming from my dad, you sort of look at it and you question, like, why did you do that? Why did you have to, why did you get that? And so when my dad bought this Easter egg, I said to him, Dad, do you know how much this Easter egg costs? Why did you waste so much money on this Easter egg? He goes, listen, when your son is unwell in hospital, it doesn't matter how much money you spend on something as long as he's all right. So that really, yeah, that really stuck with me and it meant a lot to me. So again, directly was, yeah, a lot of um, support from my mom, my dad, along with my brothers too. But I mean, just in that sense of my mom and dad that would never, never, I feel never left my side throughout it all. Um, Especially when, you know, like I said in the beginning, they didn't really understand what was going on, but they still didn't give up. They still persevered throughout. And, you know, they saw that I was going to get better. They saw this person I am today back then. So I definitely have to give it to them directly. And indirectly, I guess it was so much friends as well. I'd had a lot of friends who visited me. But in the sense where by that, I mean, they were there um, through thick and thin for me. But it hit a point where they had to let go of me. And that, in that, when I say indirectly, helped me because it made me realize, you know, I'm 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 having my struggles and my life to sort of deal with, but that doesn't necessarily mean everyone else around me has to stop their life or what they're doing to sort of stick with me in the place I'm in. So if I'm not looking to better myself, they have no choice but to move on and carry on with their lives, or everyone's going to be in this whole hurdle of struggle and hardship. So. And when I say that, I don't mean like they left me and forgot about me. It was more they gave me the space to realise that because come today now, I'm speaking to these people again that were there for me through thick and thin and they're the ones that made me realise, look, we didn't ever forget about you. We didn't leave you behind. We just thought we had to give you that space to realise, look, as much as you're going through something and we we are there for you, we also have our own lives to continue and um, carry on with instead of, you know, all of us being in the deep end together just for you sort of thing. So it was at first 
for me, I thought selfish, but then afterwards I thought, you know what, that makes a lot of sense because why help or how can you help someone that isn't willing to better themselves in the first place? The world won't stop just for you. The world keeps on moving every day the sun comes out. I don't think anyone gets left behind is what I'm saying. I think it's just everyone's on the move, but you yourself decide to not move with them. So, yeah, indirectly, indirectly, those are the two things that definitely made a difference for me. Yeah, it sounds like in all sorts of ways they were either there with you and uh, with your friends waiting for you. And it's at a really interesting point about sometimes you do need a bit of space away from things. Perhaps they needed to let go, but perhaps also you were letting go of the life you had when you were trying to be that sometimes cartoon superhero and you could just get some breathing space to, to be yourself. I think you make some really interesting points as well, which perhaps a good thinking we need to do more about, which is helping parents understand more just what a complicated world it is. And of course, now we've got COVID on top, but just how that can affect your mental health. And it's not like something you can see on the skin or you can see physically. And, and that does make it hard. But also, I think the way young people are often really, really good at supporting each other. One of the messages they, they gave us last year talking to some young Londoners was how to help a friend who's going through a tough time and kind of how to be there with them. But as you're pointing out, how to also give them space. So some really important issues that are all about yeah, mental health. Definitely, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm guessing that that all happened pre-COVID. Yes, pre-COVID. That's correct. Yes. So, how's this year been? Given you know that there have been some tough times, but also some great developments in your life. Has, has COVID been a particularly tough time when it comes to your mental health? Um, this is a very mixed answer. I mean, I think people, in a sense, expect me to say, yeah, it has been a really difficult time, but. If, I'm, if I would be honest with you, the only parts of it that have been difficult for me in that sense is the fact that a lot of things as, as a whole in the world have been paused or delayed. So it's obviously stopped me from progressing with the things I want to do, for example, jobs, university, these um, charity opportunities that I do, projects that I have going on. In that sense, it's made it difficult. But in terms of my mental health, I think I guess I'm one of the lucky few percentages that, you know, I've come to, well, COVID has shown itself in a stage where I'm just so driven and focused on what I want to get out of life that it doesn't bring me down anymore. And there's so many points that I could say to lockdown. The one main point I would say to people is the vocabulary we use to describe things affect how we see it a lot. So lock and down are very two negative words, as one could say. Um, but if you sort of change how you label things, for example, I looked at it as a resting period or a planning period or because as a whole, the country has stopped. It's not more just, you know, when you're off sick, you're the one falling behind by yourself. It's as a whole, we're, we're, we're off sick pretty much. So no one's falling behind. Yeah, yeah. So we're all just together in this sense where we're going to get back back on speed together. So I thought to myself, why not just look at it as a time to plan the things I want to do or take an indoor vacation sort of thing. So, you know, just looking at it differently because... Maybe it happened because I had so much going on and it was going to rifle up and turn into a little um, relapse, relapse situation. So maybe it happened because I needed the time to just, you know, sit back and analyse everything I'm doing and actually put it into a um, plan. So this, um, this is what I've what I done with lockdown. I just completely gave it a completely different outlook. I didn't look at it as you would hear it on the news. I didn't even relate COVID to it, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even relate COVID, COVID to it. I put, put, pretty much just said, you know what, it's not a lockdown. It's more just a planning, resting period, indoor vacations. For me, it's not been so detrimental on my mental health. 
I've just completely changed the situation and made the most of it. I think, I think the main thing in life is adaptation. And if you can't really adapt to a situation, it is going to be a struggle. So, yeah, that's one of the key things for me, to, uh, being able to adapt to the situation, not looking at it in such a negative perspective. You know, just in anything and in anywhere, there's going to be difficulties. But when you overcome that, that, well, to start off with, I think difficulties are only there to perfect who we are or, and make us better than what we are. So when we overcome this situation, which I'm sure we will, everyone's going to really like feel much, well, I hope everyone will feel a much more resilient, strong, empowered type of individual where, you know, yeah. they can look back and they can say, and this is what I say to, you, to everyone at university as well. I'm at university at a very difficult time, but if I overcome this difficult time, I know the following years won't ever, ever even stand a chance to be as difficult as it was. So I feel much more confident going forward with the following years. It definitely is a hard time, but it doesn't have to be a hard time. But I think you made two really important points. And you started off, I don't know whether you'd have noticed, you said, to be honest. And I think when there's so much noise in the media about what people are or aren't feeling, it is really important to be true to yourself and stay connected with your own honest experience. Because mental health, as you were saying throughout this, starts to go wrong if you try to be something that doesn't fit where you're at. But then... And I know this because uh, we were talking earlier about the surveys we were doing with Partnership for Young London earlier in COVID. This indoor vacation idea, this idea of using what may be a dark time in other ways to actually reflect, consider what's important for you, look at your values. All the young people that we were in touch with were doing that. And for all the hard times, there was that space to actually be thinking about what is important for everyone. That comes across really powerfully. But the indoor vacation means, I guess, you get a bit of Netflix thrown in as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, Netflix, any, anything you want. I mean, obviously, it depends on the resources you have available to you. But, yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely, yeah, made the use of Netflix. There, I, I feel there are more opportunities during this lockdown because, you know, there's a theory in um, geography, and I can't remember the name of the theory, so excuse me for that, but, it's when, you know, well, two theories, there's one in psychology, the reactance theory, and one in geography, where it says when the population is has lost the main resources they use to basically manage and cope, then it just becomes an initiative that they find an alternative resource to be able to cope. And, I mean, I think in the last bad period in the world, some of the greatest inventions came out, like Pinterest, WhatsApp. So, you know, there are obviously some positives to anything and everything. And it's just being able to find that. And the thing with us humans is that we have selective attention where we only pay attention to maybe the bad things that are happening that we forget that you know what, there are some good things actually going on. So there's this like there's a whole talk on, you know, mental health and COVID-19 and lockdown, but I don't think there's actually been much of a mention where it has sort of been a bit of a positive mm-hmm. for those people. So, you know, you kind of just ruminate on the idea that it's negative, negative, negative. And I understand like we're just trying it's a matter of raising awareness, but at the same time, you know, you do want to sit sometimes and hear the positives coming out of this just to sort of give you that little bit of inspiration and motivation. There's always a positive to everything. And at the end of the day, it's adapting to be able to make ends meet regardless of the situation. There's always going to be difficult situations. You can't avoid that, but it's how you make the most of it and how you overcome it because when you do overcome it, that's when you're most that's when you find the most pleasure. Yeah, no, I think it's a again a really good point. That good mental health is also about being able to see the good that's around you. And that might be opportunities that you'd not thought of before, like new resources, whatever they are. But it also reminded me of that lovely story of your father coming to visit you at Easter 
and being able to see the Easter egg, which I think has a, just one other bit that's really good for your mental health, which is if you can allow other people to give you something, to accept that and appreciate it, that's good for you both. So that must have been a special moment in all sorts of ways. And we can do that every day now. We can do little things. It doesn't have to be a big Easter egg. Sometimes it's just a, a little bit of thoughtfulness that helps somebody feel less alone. All of that is a gift and we can make use of it and keep the hope alive. So lots of really great sort of hopeful inspiring comments there Antonio to, to help us when sometimes it's not always clear what's going to happen next. The reason why why I have this whole motivation in me to give to other people I think is one thing I've always said is that being borrower sort of sits the same person so instead of being a lender and being so much a borrower every time sits the same as you know always having to be that person that's always needing to be motivated and inspired every time, always having to be motivated and inspired. And that was me. It just hit the point where I said to myself, you know what, I'm tired of being a borrower. I'm going to lend. So I thought I'm going to be the motivator. I'm going to be the inspiration. And that's going to motivate me in itself and inspire me in itself. I don't want to keep having to be motivated and, you know, inspired. I want to be given that motivation and inspiration. So I'm definitely grateful to be able to spread it as I am. Well, you're, you're certainly doing that in a fantastic way, Antonio. Are there any other things that you'd like to say? I mean, just to remind people, as a good thing, in especially times like this, to be patient, be humble, and just believe in yourself, regardless of what is going on, because that's what will basically spare you on throughout thing of any hardship. You've always got to tell yourself things could be worse. And that's, I guess, the best motivation I can leave at. Things could be worse, and you've just got to believe in it and be patient. Well, that's really good advice, but I, I'd also like to go back to your point, which I think is a really nice one, which is that most of us have more than we perhaps think, particularly when we're having a, a difficult day, and yet we've still got something we can lend to others, something we can give that will make a difference to them. But also, each time we do that, we also give ourselves something back. So in that patience, perhaps creating a bit of space to recognise what you still have that you could lend to someone who at that moment may not have quite as much. So just lots of really good motivating and inspirational ideas there. And perhaps the listeners who don't take it in in one go can put it on replay, catch a few more next time round. Because uh, when we're talking to people who have actually been through these journeys, they usually have an awful lot of wisdom to share that could help us all through those uncertain days. But I can't give you an Easter egg at this point, I'm afraid, uh, Antonio. Don't worry, we're going Christmas. I'll expect a Christmas card instead. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, well hopefully, hopefully we'll be out of lockdown by Christmas. But uh, what I thought we could do is give you an opportunity to do something a little bit imaginative and playful, which is to kind of giving you a bit of magic for a moment, which is to kind of roll the clock back either a few weeks or even to the beginning of covid uh, to do something that all of our podcasters do, which is to think when you were going into lockdown, if you could have chosen three famous or prominent people to take into lockdown with you, and we're going to give you a nice big space to, to share with them, who would you have taken? So first one, entertainment-wise, I would have taken Kevin Hart, just, you know, to keep the spirits up, keep the mood lively. Number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two... I probably would have chosen someone inspires me quite a lot. I would say, actually, Will Smith. He's he's actually a really inspirational person, even in the roles he's ever taken part in. So 
I feel like I could, after the entertainment stage of it, I could have a really deep and intellectual conversation with him. Uh-huh. Uh, and then three to finish off, I'd definitely choose Cristiano Ronaldo just to bring in that fitness part of it where, you know, after long days of entertainment and intellectual speaking, we can sort of just detox with a good fitness routine. Um, and football is always one of my, is my favourite sports. So, yeah, that, that firm choice right there, I think top of the top-notch choice. Cristiano Ronaldo, Kevin Hart and Will Smith. Well, it's a, a very interesting and, and wise combination. And as you say, you've got the, the spiritual perhaps from Will Smith, the, the fitness from Ronaldo and then Kevin Hart. I do wonder sometimes though whether Kevin Hart might be a bit full on. Yeah, no, definitely. But I think that, I think that, that might be the reason why actually, because, you know, you, you don't want to be too limited or serious about something. So he would just balance everyone else out. You know, like I said, when you have that long, deep conversation with Will Smith, you might want to just go to Kevin Hart. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get a bit of Kevin Hart later. Well, I, I, I guess with him, you wouldn't be stuck in your own head with your own worries for too long. You'd definitely be distracted. The other thing I should have said is we let people take with them into lockdown something like some form of media. So it could be some music, a film or a book. But is there something that you think yeah, that would keep me going as well. Oh, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with with a movie. And for me, it would definitely be um, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. And I'll tell you why, actually. And I think this is actually a really good point. I'll tell you why. There's a scene in Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, the latest um, Spider-Man with um, Miles Morales. Um, there's a scene where, actually, he's in, he's in his new school or academy and he's actually walking through the, his corridor, school corridor, and he's going around thinking, oh, they're looking at me, they're talking about me, they're watching me, just because there was an event prior to that that happened in the in the um, school um, corridor. And that really resonated to me because, you know, with my mental health, I was always paranoid and I'm schizophrenic, so I had auditory hallucination. That's exactly what I always thought of people that were around me, you know, that they were looking at me, talking at me and watching me. But he wasn't, they wasn't trying, I don't think they were trying to um, depict a sort of, mental health sort of pro- progressive symptom um, occurring then but more in a sense that you know I think everyone has that sort of feeling every now and then that paranoia that people are looking and watching them and I think yeah that movie is my favorite movie it's just it's amazing again like I said Spider-Man is my favorite superhero because he's got that model when as much times you get hit back down just make sure you get back up and all of that movie just yeah like 100% it have to be that yeah but as you're saying, it also speaks to the sort of areas of mental health where people can struggle, and yet they're not strange to any of us, really. We can all have moments. Yeah. Sounds like quite a, a good way of catching so many complex issues and, and yet still having that hope of someone who's going to get back up. Well, there's going to be a lot of deep thinking, I think, going on in this lockdown, if, certainly when Kevin Hart's asleep. Um <laughs> But what we might also allow you then to take in is, do you want to take some sort of bit of luxury with you, something else that might be really cool to sort of enjoy? Could be some food, could be something you could do something with. We're guessing you're going to have some tech and some internet connection in there already. You know what? Okay, you know what? I'd bring a boombox. That's what I'd bring, a boombox. Again, the explanation to it is that I'm a big fan of music and, you know, my best moments, my best ideas come from when I'm just in my zone listening to music. And 
yeah, you know, have my own little one party in my residence and just go away with the music. Uh, yeah, definitely a beanbox. Okay, well, that that sounds great. Although I think we might need to ask Will Smith not to play his own music all the time, but. Uh... <laughs> Because uh, in lockdown, that could that could get a bit wearing for your mental health too. So uh, make sure you're in control of the playlists. <laughs> Thank you so much, Antonio, for taking the time today. I think the story of your journey and the inspiration and way that can motivate people and keep the hope alive, you know, when sometimes people wobble will be such a help to many. So thank you so much for, for sharing this. Thank you as well for having me. 